the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When the people in the church begin to do life the way God prescribes it, living out the gifts he's given them, the kingdom of God is built and the church grows regardless of location, regardless of the preaching, regardless of the music, regardless of the building, because we're doing it God's way. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. We want to teach you truth because if you're spiritually ignorant, dangerous things happen. If you're spiritually ignorant on one side, you may end up in heresy. You don't know why you believe what you believe. So when someone else comes along and says something that's crazy, that's false, you just... And that's happening all around us today. On the other side, if you're spiritually ignorant, you might become spiritually fanatical. And not fanatical in the way that you're just passionate about Christ, but you're just, you're all about experience and you're all about what you feel like God said to you because of that ignorance. So Paul was saying, don't be ignorant. He, he's saying, you've got a purpose and live for that purpose. In fact, he's saying, when you live according to God's purpose for your life, you glorify Christ by using your gifts and ability and you build his kingdom in this world. So when you get this right, when you fix the mess and the people in the body, that's every one of you who are a follower of Jesus, when you start living out the gifts God's giving you, then his kingdom is built. So let me boil this down and make it simple. It's, it's not about the preaching. It's not about the music. It's not about the buildings. It's not about the location. When the people, because remember, that's the church. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open it up. See other people. When the people in the church begin to do life the way God prescribes it, living out the gifts he's given them, the kingdom of God is built and the church grows regardless of location, regardless of the preaching, regardless of the music, regardless of the building, because we're doing it God's way. The church at Corinth had already lost that. So he said, hey, there's two things you need to focus on. And so I'm going to say to you, there's two things we got to focus on. One of these words is even going to be new to you. We need to focus on the charismata. Say charismata. You don't even know what that meant. Why would you say that? So say we focus on the charismata, and then we focus on our confession. Two things he said. Now, the confession is real simple. He talks about it in verse 3. He says, unlike the pagans, you have a simple confession. Your confession is three words. Jesus is Lord. For 2,000 years, that's been the confession of Christ's followers. I told you the story last week of the gentleman from Ghana who was kneeling on a beach. And here's my theology. I believe that when the people who were in ISIS said to him, are you a Christian? And that day he said, their God has become my God. Jesus is Lord. I believe in that instant, that confession made him a follower of Jesus Christ. Say Jesus is Lord. 
That's a confession. So Paul said, you've got that. You're different from the pagans. You've got that, but you've also got something beyond that. It's more than that. It's not just about raising your hand or walking down an aisle or being dunked in some water. It's about living out this faith so that when people look at you, they see Jesus as Lord. They just don't hear it. If they just hear it and they don't see it, you know what they call us? Hypocrites. Because they say, you're no different. And guess what? That means even if we're not doing all the bad things we think about, but we're not different because we're living out our gifts, we're missing out on representing Christ the way he intended. So that was our confession. The second thing is our charismata. And that is a word which just means spiritual gifting. So Paul is saying people need to see your spiritual gifting. It's divine, God-given enablements that enable you to serve and minister in a way that brings fulfillment to your life. Here's the facts. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're not fulfilled, you're not living that abundant life, something is off kilter in your spiritual life just as clearly as things get off kilter in your physical life when you're unhealthy. And I would suggest that often for the Christ follower, it's because we're not living out our area of gifting in our faith. This is so important because Paul is saying when our charismata, our spiritual gifts, affect our conduct, our confession will be more credible. So, so follow me here. Remember, this is just an overview. But when I'm living in such a way that people realize, man, God's given that person an ability to do something that makes a difference in the world. When others see me using my gifts, what does it do? It points to God. And so then what I say, my confession, Jesus is Lord, all of a sudden becomes more believable. If I'm not living out those things God created me to be, it doesn't matter what I say. To the people who are looking at me, my confession just looks like empty words. So Paul is saying the reason this helps your messed up life is because you get things back in the right order. You're doing what you're saying you are. When we're living according to our spiritual gifting, we live the abundant life. Remember, Jesus said, I've come that you have life but I've come that you have, I have it abundantly. And some of you, if you died today, you'd spend eternity in heaven with Jesus, but you're miserable down here. And I would suggest part of it is because you're not living this out. You are living according to what I call the washing machine principle. And some of you are doing it on purpose. You know the washing, washing machine principle? Some of you come to a church and say, Brother Paul, I just need to kind of soak it in right now. I'm in a place I just need to sit and take it all in. And so what do you do is you sit and you soak and then you sour. And God's desire is not that you sit and soak, but yeah, come sit, soak it in, and then get that spin cycle going. Serve him in a way that puts your gifts to use so that you do not sour. So a couple questions just to pause at this point. Have you confessed Jesus as Lord? Because in a moment, when we get to the end, if you haven't, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that today. Confess Jesus as Lord. But if you have, are you utilizing the gifts he's given you for his glory? That's his purpose.
The second thing God wants you to know is that he has a spiritual promise for you. Now, the truth is there's a lot of promises. This is a promise book. In fact, if you haven't picked one of these up, um, they have little books that are called a promise book. They have nothing but verses in them. And they're God's promises for different type things in your life. But the whole Bible is a promise book because God's the original promise keeper. But there are a couple of promises I would focus on. Did you know if you're a Christ follower, God has promised you eternal life? He says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You don't have to fear death. I sat with a family yesterday at a funeral service, and they were able to celebrate the confidence of heaven. Why? Because of that relationship with Jesus. But God doesn't just promise eternal life. He promises that abundant life. And that abundant life is what takes place as we begin to live out these spiritual gifts. So let me just take a few minutes and talk about these spiritual gifts in a very general way. First of all, I want to make sure you understand that at your spiritual birth, you were given the gift, singular, of the Holy Spirit. Now that's important because some people, they don't agree with that. In fact, some people will ask you, do you have the Holy Spirit? And if you're a Christ follower, what is the biblical answer to that? Yes, it is. John 14, verse 16, it says, I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever. And even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So if you're a Christ follower, the promise of Jesus before he uh, ascended into heaven was, hey, I'm leaving But if you're my follower, you're going to have the spirit of God in you. But then it's even more clear in Romans 8, verse 9. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the gift of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of God is dwelling in you. By the way, that's why when you blow it, you feel conviction. Because the spirit of God is saying, whoa, that's not right. Don't do that. That's why when you're taking the right steps, sometimes you have a peace that surpasses human understanding because the Spirit of God is with you. But at our spiritual birth, we're also giving the gifts of the Spirit. And that's these charismata, these different things that God has given us to help us through life. And they're varied, and every Christ follower has these. It says that in 1 Corinthians 12. It says that in Romans 12. It says that in 1 Peter 4. Every person has these gifts. They're gifts specifically given from our God. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. You can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says, the Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. Listen to Romans 12, verse 4, how it's described. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, individually members of one another. 
having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us then use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Again, another example of the list of of the spiritual gifts in Scripture. You can read these different passages and then you'll find an extensive list, but I don't think it is exhaustive. I think there are spiritual gifts that some have that may not even be mentioned in Scripture. If we were to dig deeper into this, some have divided these gifts into three broad categories. Some would say you start with ministry or support gifts, that these are gifts or calling that God gives to certain people to kind of lead the body. They were the gifts mentioned. We've read them some in the 1 Corinthians passage. Apostles and, and pastors, for example. Church leaders in that kind of way, those ministry or support gifts. Other gifts are motivational or service gifts. I happen to believe that everybody has some of these motivational gifts. And that goes back to what makes you tick. And so Paul lists some of those right there, prophecy and teaching and administration and serving and giving and um, leading, all these different gifts that show us, uh, boy, they motivate us in our faith. So let me illustrate that real quick. Some of you, when you teach God's word, it fuels you. It gives you great passion. You do that and you think, man, that's what I was created to do. Others of you, if I were to come to you and say, hey, could you teach this class? You would run the other direction as fast as you could. Because you'd say, that's just not me. Now, some of you, if I would say, hey, I, I hate this. Nobody's going to know this. But we really got to get the, the FLC, our Family Life Center, set up for a big meal. So there's tables that have to be put up and chairs that need to be put in place. Would you be willing to help with that? Some of you would be over there quicker than you could blink because you have that gift of service. You don't want to stand up in front of people. But, boy, you, you are fueled just when you do when you serve. Some of you have that gift of giving. And and when you give a gift, it doesn't matter if anybody knows it. It just brings you great joy to be a giver. Others are that gift of hospitality or that gift of mercy. Some of you have that gift of prophecy, that person who kind of sees things black and white. In the Bible, there's two kinds of prophecy. There's foretelling, those who tell the future, and then forthtelling. Here he's talking about that prophecy who just is kind of like, hey, this is the word of God. And boy, if you see something, you're quick to just say, man, that's wrong. Or yeah, I, I like doing. Hey, my dad has the gift of prophecy. My mom has the gift of mercy. So you can put this into practical terms even. Though this is different from personality and different than our talents. If I would call home when I was in college and kind of I had more months than I had money, if you know what I mean. If I got dad on the phone, um, he would say, son, you got a budget. You, you, you know the money you had. Like, All right, dad, thanks a lot. I'd tell him bye and I'd wait till he hang up and the mom would go, hey, I'm going to put a little something in the mail for you. So I remember when I first started in ministry, and uh, man, somebody really hurt my feelings. And I know that's shocking, but people do sometimes hurt our feelings in ministry. And and I was young. I wasn't even out of college. And, and I, I called my dad, and I was just complaining and saying, can you believe this happened? And, and my dad, you know what he said? He said, son, you either need to get thicker skin or you need to get out of the ministry. So I said, can I speak to mom? <laughs> 
And so they're different, but these are the things that drive us. And just like anything else, if I'm walking in the spirit of God, my gift is used for his glory and it builds up the church. If I'm walking in the flesh, I may have that gift, but I either I may not be using it or I could even be causing more damage than good. Can't lose your gifts. Romans says in 11 verse 29, the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable, but you can lose your effectiveness as one who's spiritually gifted. First Peter 4.10 says, as each one received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards. So quick question. I've just, I'm giving you an overview, but do you feel like you're using the gifts God's given you as a good steward? Now that's important because the third principle is this. God wants you to find your spiritual place. Hey, it's March Madness time. And you know what happens in March Madness? College teams from all across the country come together in tournaments and people fill arenas and they watch as 10 men or in in ladies basketball, 10 women run up and down a basketball court back and forth, beating one another up, wearing each other out, filled with thousands of people in the stands telling them what they should be doing, telling them how they can play better. Condemning them if they miss a shot or they cause a foul. In fact, that's true in any kind of sports, right? Football is even worse because you can get 100,000 people in the stadium and every one of them thinks they're a better quarterback than the guy on the field. And too often our churches have become like sporting events. And we call that the Pareto principle where 20% of the people, I think it's probably more like 15%, maybe 10, are doing 80% of the work. And the rest are sitting and soaking it in, but they're not getting in the game. And Paul is saying, God wants you to find your place. And I'm not going to read it to you, but I want you to go home and read the rest of this chapter because it puts it into perspective. Because this is what Paul says. He says, hey, you guys, remember, are the body of Christ. Now think about that word body. In my physical body, I've got a lot of different parts, but every one of them has a function. I might not like my big toe. In fact, it's it's where I'm not wearing flip-flops today. It's not the most impressive thing. But you know, it has an important part of my body. I'm told if I lose just the big toe, it affects my balance. You know, you may or may not think you've got good-looking ears, but aren't you grateful for the gift of hearing? Men, I hate to tell you this, but your nose never stops growing. That's why old men have really big noses. And uh, But aren't you thankful for the, the gift of smell? So Paul said all these different parts of the body. And then he gives kind of this weird, humorous thought. How silly would it be if the hand says to the, to the head, I don't like you, I'm moving on. Or, or what if the feet says to the stomach, I never see you anyway. What good are you? I take this body everywhere. And yet without the stomach, could you even exist? And without the legs, would you be able to go forward? Every part of the body is important. And, and I, I do want to just draw your, in, your, your attention to the end of that passage in, in 1 Corinthians 12. In, in verse 27, it says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has given each of us spiritual gifts but they're tools for our employment in the kingdom of God, not toys for our enjoyment. 
God expects that you take this way he's created you and use it for his glory. So have you discovered his place in the body? And I'm just going to go off script for a second and just give you some examples. Everybody just look to your, uh, your left real quick. See that camera sitting right over there? Turn me on, guys. I'm looking for my red light. There it is. See the red light come on? Isn't that amazing? We have a guy named Rick Estes who oversees our, our online broadcast ministry. But uh, just everybody wave at the person sitting in that stool right there. Don't be silly. There's nobody in that stool. <laughs> you know why? Listen, because somebody's not using their gift. And we have preschoolers that, that need teachers. We have children that, that need men and women to be role models and show them their love. We have teenagers that need to see that there are adults who are living this Christ life. We need people to stand. We want people to stand in our parking lights with signs when they come in, just using that gift of, of service that says, welcome home to our church. There are so many opportunities to serve and to get involved, to teach and to lead, to give and to show mercy in this community. You know, I have friends in this service who have given their life. They moved from another state to live here, to invest in the lives of the people who are in our, who God has brought to us from around the world five days a week. And they, they just want some of you to come and have a snack with them during the week or or to invite them into your home. Do you, do you see that when we begin to function as the body and things begin to change? So have you discovered your place in the body? There's a last principle. In light of all of this, God still wants you to remember your spiritual priority. What's your spiritual priority? Look at verse 29. He says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Now, I'm going to stop there because this is not a rhetorical question, right? You've heard this literary device. Some of you have seen this in a book you've read or you've seen it in the Bible. What is he assuming the answer is? This is not hard to understand. What does Paul assume the answer is to these questions? Huh? Yeah, so let's... Let's read it that way. I'm going to read it as if I'm Paul, because guess what? I am. Just a different one. And then you're going to just say no, right? Because that's, that's really what would have been happening if this was a conversation, not a letter. So he says, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Oh, wait a second, time out. Because some of you have had people in your life telling you if you don't have that gift, you're missing out. And, and that's just contrary to Scripture. Do all interpret, he says? No. But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will still show you a more excellent way. Wow, what a cliffhanger. But remember, Paul didn't put these chapters and verses, so we've just got to go. What's the next thing? What's the more desirable way? If I speak with the tongues of men, it says in verse chapter 13, and of angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. 
See, the priority God wants you to understand is all of this is motivated out of love, which is kind of cool, right? That's why we're here, to love God passionately and to love others intentionally. And when I get that, I'm going to find my place in the body. And I'm going to make a difference for his glory. Now, in just a second, we're going to bow our heads and pray. But I want to say to you in this discussion of gifts, don't miss this truth. The greatest gift anyone's ever given was the gift of God of his son. For God so loved the world that he gave. And so, listen, the greatest gift you could ever receive is the gift of Jesus by trusting what he's done on the cross. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910.